So the name of the lecture is Safeguard the Global Microbiome from GMOs. If you've been paying attention in the last five years, you know microbiome is the buzzword. But you may not know about the need to safeguard it from GMOs 2.0 and why this is something that I would say is among the most serious and urgent actions we can take as humanity. And I'll explain why during this talk. I wanted to let you know where you can watch the movie, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. You can go to protectnaturenow.com. Uh, you can write that down now. You can click on it. But please do take note, protectnaturenow.com. Take a picture of the screen. This is going to be an important website to know about uh, by the time this, this lecture is over. And if you have to leave early, please go to Protect Nature Now. Watch the 16-minute film. Now, we all know about invasive species. These are rabbits in Australia. This is something everyone can relate to because rabbits multiply like rabbits, right? And the, there was 24 rabbits. There's more in this picture. 24 rabbits were released in Australia in 1859 to make visitors feel more comfortable so they can hunt rabbits. But there were no significant predators. And by the 1920s, there was over 10 billion rabbits. One well-meaning, compassionate, altruistic gesture to introduce rabbits into the countryside so that foreigners would feel more comfortable decimated the countryside, costs Australia still over $600 million a year, and changed the nature of nature. That was one invasive species. Now we have the possibility to permanently alter and corrupt the gene pool of virtually every species. In the last 25 years, there's been 12 genetically modified food crops. In the next 25 years, because of gene editing, we have the capacity to make that number hundreds of thousands or millions, especially when we talk about the microbes. Genetically engineered crops, organisms, microbes persist and propagate in the environment and can change once they're released. This is the first part of the recipe for disaster, GMOs can self-propagate and are permanent, there's no recall. The second is that the most common result of GMOs is surprise side effects, including the new poster child of genetic engineering, gene editing, causing massive collateral damage in the genome and the organism. So you have a GMO released permanently in the environment, that can create side effects. Now, with gene editing, there's, you know, we know the name CRISPR, there's other names as well. It is so cheap and easy. You can buy a do-it-yourself kit on Amazon for $169. For $2,000, you can build a gene editing lab in your garage, and you can name and release a new GMO microbe every day of the year for the price of dinner. 
each time. And the prices are going to go down and the powers are going to go up. But you're not going to be able to keep up with the biotech industry who drives robots using artificial intelligence to create massive numbers of combinations that could result in massive releases. So this is the combination for disaster. GMOs are permanently part of the gene pool. They're prone to side effects. And now if we don't stop it, every high school biology class, every college biology class, every home hobbyist, and all these corporations and governments and research institutions will be replacing nature. And the reason why it's a recipe of, for disaster is because the biotech industry has convinced governments around the world to turn a blind eye to gene editing. They, the European Union said, no, we're gonna treat them like GMOs. They came under massive pressure. When the UK left the EU, now there's a big debate going on in the UK to try and turn a blind eye to gene editing. And Canadian government officials are now under siege and there's members of the Canadian government that want to say we should not pay any attention to gene edited products. And that's virtually what it's like already in the United States and some other countries. So if this happens, then everything with DNA can be targeted from bacteria to butterflies, from algae to animals. Everything with DNA can be changed in a cheap and easy way redirecting the streams of evolution for all time. So rather than one invasive species added to an ecosystem, the entire ecosystem can be redesigned and be, in a sense, invasive species. Now, of all of the kingdoms that you can genetically engineer, microbes are by far the most hazardous. Certainly, we did not need the pandemic to know that microbes can travel the world. But they can also damage or collapse ecosystems and create health issues, even pandemics. If we genetically engineer a cow, its offspring and its offspring and its offspring take a number of years. But as we'll see with microbes, their influence can be global in short order. And again, the pandemic makes an especially perfect example for a fertile imagination of this planet when inserting these concepts. So let's talk about engineering the microbiome and what that could mean. First of all, microbes are everywhere. They have been found in every single part of the planet. You dig down into the crust, they're there. You go into lava pits, they're there. They're in the atmosphere. And they are an essential component of biology and ecosystems. And we're just learning about their amazing qualities. They evolved over millions of years with a level of intelligence that is breathtaking. In fact, we, don't, we can't fully understand or replicate it. I remember talking to microbiologist and microbiome expert Kieran Krishnan, who said, if you gave me all the money in the world and 10,000 of the top scientists, they couldn't create even a single microbe 
that they have identified that can enter the gut and sense what's going on and surround pathogens and change the, the population of pathogens and increase diversity. There are superheroes in the microbiome that defy our understanding. But it also helps define who we are. This is really cutting edge. And you may have heard, for example, that there are 10 times more microbes in our bodies than there are human cells. Well, that doesn't really define it. It's way more than that. First of all, the microbes can train us. Let's say they want to interact with other people in order to swap genetic material and inoculate with more um, microbes. They can generate hormones and neurotransmitters that make us more social. They can want us, they can have us crave a cupcake if they want more sugar. Whatever they want, they can, in many, not whatever, but in many cases, they can drive our actions for them. And then if we're doing what they want, they can send neurotransmitters to the reward center of the brain, training us. We didn't know this. Now we might resent it and say, hey, you guys, stop that but we actually need them. And the, what they do for us is worth us doing for them. You see, we have 22,000 genes in our DNA. An earthworm has more. Hello, an earthworm has more. But we extend our genetic library by incorporating 3.5 million genes of the microbiome inside of us. And it really is, we can say, our shared property. For every gene in our body, there are 360 microbial genes. These microbes conduct approximately 90% of metabolic functions. There's no microbe, I mean, there's no gene in our body that can evaluate the nature of the leaky gut and tell the human system to replace a particular cell and increase the mucosal layer in a certain way, that's outsourced. That's outsourced to the microbiome. When a woman has breast cancer, the micro Jedi army sends certain bacteria there to help encapsulate. When they got rid of the bacteria, the tumor spread. For Alzheimer's patients, another Jedi army of fungus will occupy to protect. There's all sorts of shifts and changes that occur when we are sick and need it, and also ways of evaluating whether we're sick and need help. But there are also just daily metabolic functions that are just outsourced to the microbiome. Now, the community of the microbiome has a balance. It has a diversity. If you change the balance and you change the diversity, it can have profound consequences. Now you know I'm talking about GMOs, but I haven't said it yet, so we'll get there. A change in the community of the microbiome has been linked to most chronic illnesses. My friend Karen Krishnan says about 80% of chronic illnesses can find their roots in the microbiome. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous and true. 
that the microbiome community can dictate all the brand name diseases or most of them that you know about. Now, if we introduce new genetic elements from genetic engineering that were not part of the millions of years of evolution, what can happen? First of all, they're doing it. Pivot Bio is introducing genetically engineered microbes into the soil. So is Join Bio, which is a joint venture of Monsanto Bear. So they're releasing these microbes in fields in the United States already. What can happen? First of all, microbes travel the world. As I said before, we didn't need a pandemic to know that. In the film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle, Professor Elaine Ingham was told by whistleblowers at the EPA about a secret study that they still don't acknowledge that verified that genetically engineered bacteria travel everywhere on the planet. When the genetically engineered microbe travels, it will interact with vastly different ecosystems. So the probiotics released in a Midwest farm, which may have a measurable positive effect, could end up in our babies, could end up in the oceans, could end up in the atmosphere with very different results. And one of the reasons is, and this is one of the reasons why the microbiome is so intelligent, is that they are networked far better than humanity by swapping genes. They go to a big swap meet every time they're in a discussion. They're sharing genes, they're sharing genetic material, and choosing and taking them for a test drive to see if, it, if they gain some survival advantage. And this means that if we introduce a genetic component from, into a microbe from GMO, it might exchange with the ecosystem in the atmosphere, in the oceans, in our bodies. In fact, it is very common for microbes to enter our bodies from the food we eat, but also from our skin and also from breathing. And they swap with the microbiome in our bodies. In fact, recent research this year shows that the rate of swapping called horizontal gene transfer is increased in industrial areas in more built up areas as opposed to rural now all of this means we have unknown consequences we don't even know how to define what a healthy microbiome is so for introducing a new microbe that has a genetic element that was not part of the millions or billions of years of evolution and it takes up residence in our system all bets are off thank you for listening to live healthy be well please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe this podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now.
Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe evening.